Welcome to Paychecks Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Thrive by Paychecks. My name is Gene Marks. Very, very happy to have you here, and I'm very happy to have Brian Graff here. Brian is the CEO of the American Retirement Association. Brian, first of all, thank you for joining me. Gene, pleasure to be here. Hi, everyone. I am glad that you're here. First of all, is it the American Retirement Association, just to make sure, or is it like- It's the American, well, yeah, I mean, referencing it, but technically, American Retirement Association. It's kind of like Ukraine, you know, like Ukraine is a (laughs) bit of Well, I'm glad you're here. Uh, We have a lot to talk about. As you know, and as we said even before uh, we got started with this, I mean, our audience are are business owners, people that are employer-owned businesses for the most part. And this conversation is going to be about retirement options, particularly the SECURE Act, and some of your thoughts on it. But before we even get to that, Brian, tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about uh, the American Retirement Association. Sure. Um, The American Retirement Association, ARA, is the umbrella organization for five different retirement plan-focused membership organizations. Uh, Without getting into too many details about all of them, all told, about 40,000 retirement plan professionals throughout the country Hmm. whose job profession is to help employers like Paychex customers um, put retirement plans in for their workers and help those workers save and plan for retirement. Uh, In fact, we work with uh, folks at Paychex uh, who are helping their customers put plans in for retirement as part of the services that you offer as a company. So all, some of the folks who work at Paychex are actually members of the ARA. That is great. And so so you're representing retirement plan professionals. So I guess that can be anybody that implements retirement plans. It can be larger firms like Paychex. It can be uh, smaller individual you know, consultants or wealth managers. or Advisors that work advisors. in small towns throughout the country. Yep. Got it. Okay. So, geez, I mean, this SECURE Act um, had to be a big deal for you. Uh, I mean, it is, this is a thing that, I mean, you know, there's such a push now and it's coming from the highest of levels to get more people saving for retirement and therefore to motivate and encourage as many business owners as possible um, to set up 401k plans to get people to, you know, put money away into them. And I mean, that's that's kind of awesome for you guys, right? Or at least for the people that you represent. Very much so. (laughs) You know, with the SECURE Act, or they're calling it SECURE 2.0 because they they did the original SECURE a few years ago. Uh, As as you're alluding to, one of the major themes of that legislation is getting more businesses throughout the country to offer these workplace savings programs to their employees. Because what we know, the the data is, is indisputable. People who are working in this country, moderate income workers, middle income workers, they are 15 times more likely to save, 15 times, if they have access to a plan through the workplace, right? as opposed to saving on their own in an IRA. And it's the convenience of that payroll deduction, uh, which you guys know very much about. It's the incentive of the match that's that's often offered by a lot of employers. And it's the culture of savings that's fostered in the workplace versus people doing it on their own. So workplace savings work works. It's it's bipartisan. Both sides recognize 
that the only way we've ever been able to get middle-income America to really save and invest is through workplace savings programs. So yes, you're 100% right. This bill, one of the key themes, if not the most important theme, is trying to incentivize employers to adopt one of these plans. And we can talk a little bit about what the details of yeah, how that works. We'll, we'll dig into those in just a minute. Um, I, you know, I, 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 first of all, I'm an employer. I have 10 people in my company and, um, you know, we're, we're a CPA firm and, you know, and, uh, you know, advisors and like, Brian, sometimes I cannot believe when my clients, even my smallest of clients don't offer a 401k plan. I mean, Secure the Secure Act and Secure 2.0 provides tax credits that will essentially pay for the setup of these plans anyway. Not that it was that expensive to begin with. No, I mean, really, costs have really come down yeah. on these plans. Yeah, like it really right. wasn't that big a deal, and yet so many of my clients were, you know, still resisting. I'm kind. Of, you must. You. I mean, that must be the biggest frustration for you and your members as well when you're out talking to small business owners. That, that aren't doing it. So do you think Secure 2.0 will make a significant difference or do you, you know, do you? I do. And, and let me wow. explain. The, the, the biggest problem, Gene, has been, it's not so much that the costs have are, are, are too expensive. I mean, that's part of it for, for some firms who are, you know, micro companies that don't really make a lot of money, but there, there's close to a million small businesses that don't have retirement plans in the workplace. Right. These plans are, for better or worse, someone has to go and you know talk to the business owner to have one of these plans because you know the folks listening to your program they're busy running their businesses. They're not sitting around saying, "Oh, you know, I've got this is another benefit I can offer." That's you know HR issues are the last thing that they want to think about, right? right? And so. You know, someone's got to go in there and kind of explain to them, hey, this isn't an ex- this is not that expensive. It's a great thing to offer to your workers. And and now we've got an incentive system with these tax credits that you're mentioning, which will help subsidize the cost of having someone go in and essentially sell this plan to the employer. Because companies may, with less than 50 employees, they can get government subsidy for the cost of starting up and running a plan for three years up to $5,000 a year. Yeah. It's basically $250 per employee yeah. Yeah. with a cap of $5,000. And that covers everything. And they get, it's a hundred percent credit. Yep. Yep. And, and so you're right. Essentially you can get this plan now for free. And there's even a new super simple plan called the starter K where there's no testing involved. It's really, really easy and it's essentially a free employee benefit that can be offered to workers. Now, because of these changes, companies like your, like Paychex, others are now incentivized to go out and offer these programs to small businesses that don't have a plan. What do you say? Uh, you know, th- there are um, some states, New York, California, others that are uh, not only requiring that employers have you know retirement plans set up, but are also uh, you know, mandating if they don't do it, they're going to use the state's plan. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? Like if you're advising a client or a company in California, do you, do you point them towards the state plan or do you say, you know, you should be setting up something on your own and leveraging the secure 
2.0 tax exactly. credit. So, you know, and, and that's the beauty of this legislation is it allows for companies to satisfy those requirements in those states. It's, it's, it's actually proliferating. It's, it's California, Oregon, yeah. Illinois, Connecticut, Virginia now, yeah. New Jersey, New York, Connecticut, Pennsylvania is probably going to pass it. Colorado just passed it. I mean, it's spreading. I mean, it's going to, it's going to reach a point where, you know, there's only so many uh, blue states left, yeah. but actually, believe it or not, I had a conversation with a, a, a member of the Ar- Ar- Arkansas Senate yeah. last week about this and Republican, yeah. obviously. So, um, you know, it's going to continue to proliferate. And what's great about the secure act is with the starter K and the tax credits, it actually offers employers in those states a private sector alternative because, you know, the idea of sending the money to the state government is not necessarily the favorite idea for some employers. Plus the fact those are in the state programs are individual retirement accounts. So every employee has a separate account. that's a little bit more administratively challenging to put together. Whereas with the starter K it's like a traditional 401k. And so it's a, it's a single plan trust. It'll probably be offered by companies like Paychecks as part of a PEP or a MAP, a pooled plan. And, and so it'll be easier to implement for those small businesses. Yeah. I mean, yeah. when I talk to my, I'm based in Pennsylvania as well. So I'm well aware that these mandates might be coming. And um, it just seems like you, you have more flexibility. You can work with a greater number of outside advisors. You have more control yeah. over, you know, over the investments. It's your company's plan rather than- You have control over the investments, whereas Correct. with the state, you don't. So it's And if exact. you go with a pooled employer plan, um, which, you know, a lot of co- like paychecks are offering, you have the ability, um, your fiduciary responsibilities are, you know, almost, you know- Are greatly, greatly right. reduced. Correct. And the costs are greatly, greatly reduced. Got it. Um, Secure 2.0. So you, we, we've all had some time to digest it. We've actually done a few you know, episodes on this. We've talked about it a little bit. Um, I'm kind of curious if there's any specific thing in that legislation that really, if you were a business owner, would really appeal to you. I mean, that you, you're like, wow. I'm going to tell you what mine is, all right, to give you some time to think about that. But sure. the, the provision in the legislation that will act, actually offer tax credits of up to $1,000 uh, per year for some employers of a certain size, when they to contribute money to their employers, is yeah, basically yeah. saying to these small boys, put match, put money into your your, your employees' four hundred one k, and we'll give the money back to you in the form of a tax credit. Yes, and to me that's like no. So not only we're going to cover the cost of running the plan, yeah. if you want to offer a match, we're going to give you. <laughs> and that, by the way, that 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 match for employer contributions for matching contributions. Yeah is up for employers up to 100 employees. Yes. It starts going down after 50, I think, the level of the match, correct? Like, I think it's like a $1,000. No, no, that's a 100% match for for employers up to 100 employees Okay, for the employer contribution. The, 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 the ratcheting down of the match is with respect to the startup costs. Okay. Okay, fair enough. So for the, for the, for the credit for the employer contributions, it's 100%. And it's up to $1,000 per employee for the first year. It sends a 75% credit in the next year. But So that's right. what's that's ratcheting, what's ratcheting down. Down. That's correct. Per year. Right. Um, but still, I mean, yeah, we're going to cover your costs for running the plan. And we're going to, if you want to do a match, we're going to cover those costs too. So yeah, I, you know, you, you have to sort of ask yourself employ, you know, to a small business <laughs> owner, why wouldn't you want to offer this benefit. Yes. And, and one thing that I, you know, to, to kind of add to that, 
listen, you're an employer. I'm an employer. You know how hard it is to keep employees these days, particularly younger people. A lot of them are saddled with student debt, even though, you know, temporarily they don't have to make any payments right now. Eventually that is going to stop. Right. um, And they will have to resume making student loan payments. And, you know, my, my personal favorite provision in this legislation is a provision that would allow you as an employer to offer as a benefit a matching contribution that treats the student loan payment as if they were making a contribution to the plan Couldn't because a lot of more. those younger workers yeah. can't afford to put money in the plan. In fact, 84% of them surveyed. So the reason they don't save in the 401k is because they have the student loan payments to make. And so, you know, this is a great way to kind of give them an enhanced benefit at a relatively low cost to the employer and have them more connected to the workplace, which is obviously a big part of trying to keep them employed. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It is that is an amazing benefit. And that you know, it's funny, as as much as I was tracking all of this, that one kind of came out of the blue for me. I, and maybe because I wasn't tracking it as closely as I should, but um it it it's a it's a really smart idea to say, particularly when you've got so many workers, millennials, Gen, you know, Gen Zers that are so overburdened by student debt, regardless of whatever forgiveness may or may not be coming, um, to give the employers the chance to treat their student loan repayments as a as a contribution to a 401k, they can match it and put that money away. That is, um, I just think that is that is great. Some other provisions that I really liked as well. I mean, I like the um, the, the emergency you know withdrawal provision as well. Um, I have, you know, for, for some of my clients, particularly my smaller ones, they have employees, you know, people get in a bind, they have an issue, they have whatever their emergency is. And I got to tell you, it's, it's, it is not uncommon for, you know, a client of mine or a business owner to step up and have to, oh, I, this person really needs some help. I want to, I'll loan them a couple grand, you know, and, you know, it's just another thing that a business owner has to worry about the, the, the ability now for, uh, an individual to take money out without being penalized in a 401k. I think yeah, up to, right up to a thousand dollars over a 12 month period. Um, you know, they, they won't be, there'd be no penalty tax. The, empl- it's, the burden's not on the employer to figure out, you know, whether it's a yeah. legitimate emergency right. or not. It's completely, you know, the, they can rely on what the employee says. Basically it's a thousand dollars and no pre-tax penalty, you know, no 10% penalty for early withdrawal. Um, if, if it comes out of a Roth account, then it's going to be, you know, tax-free. Yep. Um, and, you know, they can do it again as long as they put the money back in, but they don't have to write a separate check. It can That money going back in can just come out of the regular paycheck deferrals that they make um, every two weeks right. or however yeah. the payroll is working for that particular company. And so there's no, it's really simple. It's that, and that was designed that way was one of our proposals so that there'd be a way to kind of address the issues around the pandemic and people not having any emergency savings. This way, we're not creating a whole new system. We're using the existing workplace savings system and doing it in a way that's the least burdensome to small business owners. Give me your thoughts on Roth accounts as well. The, you know, the Secure 2.0 offered some more flexibility with Roth 401ks, um, which is, you know, a benefit. I, I find, you know, you know, a good number of my clients don't really appreciate the value of these Roth accounts. I mean, we've been seeing some and advising some that are of a certain age to take distributions from their 401k cash out now while because 
you know, stock market asset prices have declined so they can take a less of a, a gain on it. But then they put it back into a, a Roth and then it grows tax-free forever. And I, I'm right. curious to see if you're seeing more, um, you know, more interest in Roths and, and your thoughts on, you know, the provisions. Well, the I mean, this, I mean, this proposal is, is pretty, you know, uh, Roth happy. Yeah, uh, it is. <laughs> this is um, and, and, you know, there's a lot of reasons for that. Some of it has to do with budgetary scoring policies of Congress, which, um, you know, maybe not, maybe not the best from a fiscal standpoint in terms of the government fisc, but okay. it's good for, you know, your personal fisc. Yeah. So, you know, let's focus on that, that aspect. You know, I think, I think what, what's going on here is recognition on the, on the part of, of, you know, policy folks like myself, that for a lot of American workers, particularly anyone making less than a hundred thousand dollars, they should be saving a Roth right. on a Roth basis. It, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. Unless, frankly, unless you're really towards the top of the tax brackets and you live in a state where there's at least some tax rate, um, you really should be saving on a Roth basis. And, and so the, there's a requirement, actually there's a requirement beginning, you know, next year, that all catch-up contributions have to be Roth. Right. Um, and then there's also provisions that would allow, assuming the employer wants to do this, so they don't, it's, not, it's not forced on the plan sponsor, but if the plan sponsor is willing to, um, the employee can choose to convert immediately any matching contributions and employer profit-sharing contributions too to Roth, and there's no income restrictions on this. Mm. So any, any, you know, any, anybody, including the owner can decide, Hey, if I'm getting matches, I can pay tax on them now. And they're going to go into the Roth bucket of the 401k as opposed to the pre-tax bucket. Um, and I think there's going to be a lot of, you know, business owners and others who are going to take a look at that from a tax planning standpoint and say, Hey, this is a pretty good deal. I want to do pay my tax now and, 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 and have that money grow tax-free. I will say this, one thing that the way I describe it to people, even at the higher tax brackets, what I say to them is, listen, if, you, if you're making a Roth contribution and you're at the max, in effect, you're getting a higher limit mm -hmm. because you're, you're by paying your tax yep. in advance, yep. you're putting more money. Yep. And so, you know, I, I think you get that. I think, you know, trying to get more people to, to do that on a, on a, uh, to do this on a Roth basis is, you know, was certainly part of our approach to this. And that's reflected in, in the bill. The other, the other thing that's a big part of this is auto enrollment. All of these new up. plans now yeah. have to be automatically enrolled at at least 3% with auto escalation to at least 10%. And auto escalation is is every year goes up by one percent. And if I can interrupt, that's for new employees after a certain amount. That's correct? for for new plans. New plans, right? Any plan that was adopted right. beginning this year on, right? Any plan, right? Even if it's a company that's had other plans yeah. and they, you know, buy a new company and they put a new plan in, this would apply, right? All all the participants have to be auto enrolled at three percent, and I and again what. This is all based on dat real data that shows when, you know, you've got more moderate income workers and you auto enroll them and auto escalate them, it works. Yep. The opt out rates are, you know, you know, amazingly on a relative basis, pretty low. Mm -hmm. And 
the numbers start really accumulating in a meaningful way. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that's really producing a real benefit for these workers. And, and we, and we know that. So Congress is saying we like automatic enrollment. We didn't have the political will to impose it on existing employers, but I will say this. There's definitely a movement in that direction. And I would, I would, I would suggest secure 3.0, which is hmm. admittedly a few years away is going to start inching towards even for existing retirement plans, imposing some type of auto enrollment requirement. No, I, I agree with you mainly because social security continues to be an entitlement program. So, you know, a bigger and bigger issue. Um, people are looking at it even harder now. Um, and it's becoming a reality that the system is not going to support itself. And one way out of that problem is by, you know, giving every motivation possible for people to put money away for their own retirement and, um, Making automatic enrollment, even for existing plans and existing employees, seems like a natural way to go about doing it. As long as you give people the ability to opt out if they're really – so they don't feel like they have a gun against their head. So that will be the debate. It will be interesting to see. Um, I don't I don't consider that to be a mandate, again, if people have the choice of, of backing out. What it will be is some regulatory work, some administrative work that an employer would have to do. But hey, that's why you guys are around. Um, let me ask you a question. The um, I, I never – when we were talking about Secure 2.0 while it was still – I'd interview a few – um, you know, a few congressmen that were working on, that were sponsoring, there was a bill in, in the House, there was a bill in the Senate, and then it got reconciled into what we're seeing now as Secure yep. 2.0. At one point, there was supposed to be like a database out there where you could search for any retirement. <laughs> it was close to home because I remember my wife, she worked for a few years as a school teacher and forgot she had like a 401k. Oh, great. Yeah. And she had to look, you wouldn't believe the hope she had to try and find it. And where was it? And who's got it? Right. Um, but there's supposed to be this magical database. And the other reason why I bring that up is because as part of Secure 2.0, it's now mm-hmm. becoming easier for part-timers to be enrolled yes. in. So so the likelihood of more missing yes. um, participants is, yes. yeah. so you're, you're a hundred, you know, well, you're, you're running both accounts. So there's a provision in the bill that would require the Department of Labor, uh, which is, you know, the EBSA, which is the Employee Benefit Security Administration, right. part of the Department of Labor, to uh, put up a website that w- where they would gather data from all the, you know, record keepers throughout the country to uh, populate with information around accounts where the plan sponsor and the record keeper can't find the participant for whatever reason. So, or the participant doesn't even know that uh, they have an account. And so, you know, in your case, you know, you're somehow the uh, probably the 403B provider uh, of, for your wife's uh, account uh, couldn't track her down right. and, and your wife had forgotten about it. <laughs> you guys moved and somehow, you know, at that point, all, that, wife, all that all that stuff and, <laughs> and uh, maybe you got married and she changed her name. It's <laughs> more complicated. And so, um, you know, this is where that kind of information could be housed and hopefully It'll help people make it a lot easier for them to to find those missing accounts. And and then and and then the other thing that you pointed out, which a lot of the folks listening need to be aware of, is next year, beginning in twenty four, uh, part time workers who've been defined as people work who work at least five hundred hours for two consecutive years uh, will start having to be eligible to save. Yeah. Traditionally, 401k plans, you have this thousand hour requirement. 
uh, which is intended to be a, you know, a proxy for full-time employment. Right. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of folks out there who work on a permanent part-time basis. Now they're going to have to be able to be eligible to save. They don't have to get an, an employer contribution necessarily. They can still, you know, all, they can still be excluded from a match or those can be reserved still for full-time workers. But you have to at least let them put money out of their paycheck into the plan. And, and there's some rules that we got added to that requirement to make it easier for the employer to frankly, instead of counting two sets of hours, to just let everybody save when they become an employee. And then they only start getting employer contributions when they reach that thousand hour threshold. I see. I see. Which is a lot simpler to explain to a business owner than, oh, you got these 500 hour people and these thousand hour people. and Right. All right. Two more questions and I'll let you go. Uh, First is uh, the the Secure 2.0 has increased, this is going to be over the next, I think, 10 years or so, the you know, the uh, age of required distributions that you need to take from a plan. I think it's going to ultimately go up to the age of 75. Yep. It, it, you know, meanwhile, in France, everybody's freaking out because they have to, you know, they're not entitled to benefits until they're, I think, 64 from the 62. age of 62, right? Right. Something I think like, it's 62 now and they're going to bump it to 64. Yeah, that's right. Everybody's freaking out there. Here, it's like 75. You can keep working. I don't know, if you, I don't know this, but literally every year at this time of year, there's usually protests in Paris <laughs> over changes to the pension system. On oh, something like this. Yeah. yeah that's because pretty much that is because the French have lived many eons of civilizations longer than us and they know about balance in their lifestyle. They, they're smarter than us, you know? Here we are, we're raising the age where you can keep working and keep working. Um, and, and that's my question to you. Do you think that that will have an impact on, uh, you know, on employees for a business? Do you, yeah, I mean, we're living longer, we're healthier. Do you do you think that by raising the that, that age of requirement, allowing people to save more as a business owner, that's going to give me the opportunity to say like, hey, sure. some of my older workers can Work a couple extra years. I think. Well, listen. I think there's the there's a reality that most me- Americans are sort of getting the sense that they're going to have to live work a little bit longer than uh, that they were planning on because, frankly, you know, we're as a society, we're living longer, yeah. and which is a good thing. Yeah. And and you know, this notion that we can be retired for you know thirty years, <laughs> um, you know, it's it's not really the most practical. Now, obviously, you know, there's different points of view on this. This is a very controversial subject. Um, I, you know, I've done some programs recently on social security and, you know, there's nothing more, you know, there's nothing more of a lightning rod than, than discussing, you know, social security sure. reform. Sure. But, but at least in terms of the private system, no, without question, there's recognition that people are living longer and, and that, that, you know, required beginning date for minimum required distributions hasn't really kept up with, with life expectancy increases. And so easy rule of thumb for you, for your listeners mm-hmm. to remember, instead of, you know, the, the more complicated statutory language, I, we've converted this to a, to a, a very simple two set rule. Basically, if you were born between 1950 and 1959, you're going to be age 73. That's going to be your age. Okay. And then anything after 1960 or later and the after 59, so 1960 or later, it's going to be age 75. Makes sense. One more time. 50 to 59, age 73. 60 or later, age 75. If you're before 50, it's 72. Got it. Got it. Okay. Um, takeaways from this conversation then, Brian. I mean, uh, you know, for with all the changes that are going on, uh, what are you telling your members to tell their clients, particularly 
clients that own businesses? What should they be doing in 2023? So if, um, you know, for folks with existing plans, what my members are talking to them about is think about the opportunity to do student loan, the student loan benefit. Yep. That's a good one. Figuring out a way to deciding how you want to comply with the part-time worker rule okay. to the extent that you've got part-time workers. And, you know, like I said, there's easier, simpler ways to comply with it than others. Mm -hmm. And then, um, you know, Roth, mm. you know, how do we, how do we start talking about the benefits of Roth in a, in a more meaningful way? A lot of them, as you suggested before, a lot of employer, a lot of employees, and a lot of employers haven't really fully embraced Roth yeah. as much as I think a lot of people thought they. Yeah. And frankly, what a lot of financial experts think they, the way they should. And so by requiring catch-ups to be Roth, it reopens that conversation in a significant way that, that uh, both the business owner and the employees need to think about. Great advice. I'll be thinking a lot about Roth this year and talking about it with uh, my clients. I do think it's a big opportunity for a lot of people. Brian Graff is the CEO of the American Retirement Association. Brian, uh, what is your website? USAretirement.org. Fantastic. Hey, thank you very much. Great conversation. I have lots more questions to ask you on retirement-related issues, ESOPs and succession planning and things like that. Uh, not for this discussion, but um, we'll talk again. I promise we'll come on back. I would appreciate the opportunity. Thanks, Gene. Thank you. Hey, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. You've been listening to an episode of Paychecks Thrive. My name is Gene Marks. Hopefully you've enjoyed this conversation and got some good information from it. If you have any suggestion for topics or guests, please visit us at our webpage. That's payx.me forward slash thrive topics. That's payx.me forward slash thrive topics. Thanks so much again for listening. We'll be back shortly with another episode. Take care. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to All hear right. on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash thrive topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychecks Incorporated 2023, all rights reserved.